Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the show, but if you want to interact with the nerds, there are definitely ways to get in touch with us. You can subscribe to The Real Nerds Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio. Also, check out our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there are lots of cool articles for you to read about movies and TV shows, and you can find previous episodes of the show. You can also follow us on our various social media accounts. Our Facebook page is Real Nerds Podcast, Twitter is at Real Nerds, and Instagram is at Real Nerds. You can also call and leave a voicemail at 720-6nerds5, and we'll play it on the show. And you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Have a nice day. Hi, this is Georges Genty, and you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2020 and beyond. I'm your host, Zach. That's right. Ryan's no longer here. I got rid of him, and I'll get rid of you, too, if you step out of line. Uh, you know this confession's being recorded, right? Don't! <laughs> <laughs> It's like uh, that Key and sketch. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get me. Oh, wait, you got me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you I like the, it's like actually just reminded me of the end of Keanu where they were just like, he, he gets, he gets the hand clips, handcuffs snapped on him and he just goes, all right, all that stuff I did. <laughs> um, I'm your host, Zach Giesman. With me as always is, well, not always, but Brad and Corinne. Welcome back, Corinne. Thank you. Right on. Yeah. Thanks for filling in for Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was like, oh, I have to make an arrest. Can you show up? And I'm uh, like, sure. I have all this hard paperwork to fill out. It's going to take me hours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my hand's so sore. <laughs> oh, my God, the law, you guys. The law, so bad. I wish I were above the law. <laughs> I got to tell you guys a quick story. Um, I told Zach this already before the show. Um I went to Buffalo Wild Wings this weekend with, I was meeting a friend, hadn't seen her in like several months, so we're catching up and we were watching the KU game and so I'm like looking, I'm like looking over here to my right at my friend and then we'd occasionally like look to my left, you know, up at the screen and at some point toward the end of the game, I'm looking at the TV screen and I'm like, wait a minute, I recognize that kid, that's Kellen. And there's Ryan. What the hell? And you were there? And you were there? And you were there? And I was like, what the shit? And so I like yell at Ryan. I'm like, Ryan, what are you doing here? And he's like, I texted you 30 minutes ago. (laughs) You never checked your phone. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm talking to my friend. So it was kind of funny. I'm sure if he were here, he would have told you the story. (laughs) 
<laughs> although not as great. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Ryan. Tunnel so, vision so there is I a was. real thing. <laughs> so there I was at Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> with my son having a good time. <laughs> and I hear this like really annoying lady like cheering on Kansas basketball, and I look over and she's like Corinne, and I'm like, what the shit is she doing here? She's not allowed to eat at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> I don't. Only cool people are. And by the way. KU basketball sucks. <laughs> he did pretty much say that. So. Yeah, I know him. <laughs> Hashtag classic cool. <laughs> uh, speaking of Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, did the one you went to have the uh, Buzz Time Trivia tablets anymore? Mm-mm. Man. My friend even said something about that. Yeah, it's lame. Yeah. Speaking of lame, every week we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. This <laughs> week we saw Doolittle. Uh Stay tuned. Don't at the give end away of the your show. feelings about the movie. <laughs> Stay tuned to the end of the show when we will review the film, play the trailer, and spoil it for you. Um, we also talk about movies that are coming out, um, what's going on around town, Blu-rays. Um, we movie talk about news. the news. Yeah, mm-hmm. we we talk about all that stuff. I think I repeated two of them. I'm a terrible host. Ryan, get back here as quick as you can. We talk about uh, no whatever doubt. we want, really. Yeah, exactly. We, we can. can talk about football. Oh. Let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, what? I'm gonna, how much I'm, of a shit I don't give that they're in the Super Bowl. I don't, I, you know what? I'm going to mute your mic, and we're just going to talk about Jack Benny the entire time. Brad, you're getting muted too. <laughs> so you're okay with Kansas University basketball, but yes. Kansas City Chiefs can right. go to hell. Yeah, because they're in Missouri. And as we learned from the outlaw Josie Wales, nothing good ever comes out of Missouri. <laughs> Isn't Kansas City both Kansas and Missouri? Yeah, but they're on the Missouri side. Sporting KC is on the Kansas side. They're Just okay. Just tribal. You know, to be fair, nothing good came out of any occurrence in the outlaw Josie Wales. Like, it seems like everybody had something to suffer about, so... Yeah, whatever. For the, for the most part. That yeah. grandma knew what she was talking about, though. She did, yeah. Yeah, she's nation so divided. Anyway, I'm, mm. you know what we're not divided about? The guy who plays Dean Wormer in Animal House is in that movie Outlaw Josie Wells, and he's amazing. Anyway, um, okay, I'm going to start this show by taking us around town with Brad. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. Brad, what's going on around town? The Midnight at the Esquire this week is The Room you're and Rocky tearing, Horror Picture Show. You're tearing me apart, Dr. Frankenfurter. Mm, sure. Yeah, sure. Someone said that. Com- I bet. Combine Never. those two. Combine those two. What do you get? <laughs> a, a monster mash. <sighs> I was going to start muting his mic for him. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you chose not to run the board. <laughs> you don't have to comment on everything I say. That is true. Uh, what's playing the week after? Uh, I didn't check. Okay. Right on. Anything so, else going on around town? Nope. All righty. It's pretty, pretty slow. It's January, I see guys. there's some trivia coming up that you're going to be participating in. Yeah. Are we inviting... Do people need to know about trivia? Because <laughs> no. if I tell them on the podcast, that means they're going to compete against me. <laughs> they're all going to try to be on I your mean, team. Maybe. <laughs> um, well, maybe they should be aware in case you win, and then that way you can come back and rub your winnings in their faces. It's why Brad doesn't tell people when he's going to movies on the show, because then they'll sit next to him. <laughs> That's that's fair. Never know and then they'll at. talk, and then you'll have to kick their ass. If you really want to know, tomorrow there's Marvel trivia at the Growler USA at mm. seven. Nice. Is that paid? Well, then let's go. I'm going. Is that okay. a paid one? No, it's free. Okay. I mean, you got to pay for food. Just not be an asshole. Oh. If you're occupying their space, like at least buy a drink, but it's uh, okay. not required to play. I can't. I yeah, can't guarantee I any of those I feel like it's things. hard to justify participating in those ones where you have to pay to do it. Like you have to pay. For your team. I was right. confused why the office one was a paid one, but the one that you went to uh, at Growler? Uh, 
Oh, that one? That yeah. was free. Oh, uh, okay. Like, they're free. Um, and the, it, like, the rock, you, you have to buy rock a drink either. Like or the, Rocksteady uh, or whatever the hell rock it is. Rocksteady, I think we paid for. Yeah. Okay. That was and the main one. There was another one. That was the most expensive one, but I forget what venue that was at. Okay. I mean, if I'm going to pay to do trivia, I'll just sit at home and do it on my phone. I found, well, well. There's a lot of, like, office it's, it, there's trivia very li- quizzes out there. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty to go around to. Well, part of it is, like, some of the more, I guess, established venues when someone comes in and, you know, is, is reserving the space for the quiz. Yeah. That means people who aren't already invested in that quiz are taking a valuable sales space gotcha so gotcha. having a monetary thing with it kind of says like hey no matter what you're still getting money even if not enough people show up for beers and food or whatever yeah that sounds fair so i mean like i i've gone to a scattered few but i don't, I don't drink anymore so i don't have any real reason to go there unless it's like with brad or a friend or something yeah. like that and the geeks who drink one which is in february like your five dollar uh, investment goes towards the final purse so right right and that makes more sense yeah <sighs> they love you. They'll never, they'll never, they'll never do an old time radio quiz for me. So tune in next <laughs> week to find out how the nerds did at trivia. <laughs> and by the nerds, I mean Brad. That should yeah. be it. because that, he carries our team. Shouldn't that be Dominate. like? I, I mean, I'm forgetting the pod show right now, but shouldn't that be an episode of the pod show? Is where trivia factors in heavily. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Oh, hey, I looked up next week's midnight movie. It's Perfect Blue, so I'll be that that one. Perfect Blue. What's yeah. that? Explain that for the audience at home and also me, the willfully ignorant. That is a psychological thriller anime from 1998. Oh, 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 oh. Were I they talking s- about this a couple years ago where they, like, released it and it was, like, like got, like, like an R rating or an NC-17 or something like that or whatever no. the heck or... I've never heard anything rating about it. I feel like I've heard but about it. But Satoshi Kon uh, directed it and he's dead. Oh, okay. So... Oh. He won't be making any more cool things. R.I.P. This guy. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's this rating on it. But it does say strong adult warning for animated sequence of graphic violence and nudity. That's, and I can attest to that. That's what I remember hearing about it, and that's probably why I didn't see yeah. it. But I no, it's an amazing movie. You should go see it, like I am. Okay, right on. Maybe I'll just come with you. I don't know. I mean, I've still got to watch Akira and um, uh, Ninja Scroll, the ones that have been recommended to me. So. Oh yeah. Right on. That's what's going on around town. Awesome. You know what? We're going to go ahead and do some real news. It's real news. Um, If Henry's listening in, I'm sure he's already watched the uh, David Lynch short film on Netflix where David Lynch interrogates a monkey. I haven't watched it yet. I'll watch it next week and let you know what I think about it. Um, that's news. No, I've got more. Don't worry. I just <laughs> wanted to lead off with the weir- the weirdest thing imaginable. Um, here's something that's fun. Um, the Good Place series finale is going to be playing in Alamo Drafthouse theaters across the country. So Corinne is going to be there, I'm sure. I don't know if I will be because I'm one of those people that I like to make commentary. Like when I'm watching it by myself, I'll you know shout and be like, "What? What is happening?" Ah! Did a you mad scientist trap? Did a mad scientist trap you in a space station with two robots where you're forced to do that? No. Okay. But I just like to. I don't, I'm just a vocal person, I guess. But oh. is it how long is the episode? Half hour or hour long? I think it Nin- might be an hour long finale. The 90 minute series finale will bid oh, goodbye okay. to the mind bending, ethically challenging comedy series. Mm. Because I, I haven't been to a finale thing at the Draft House, but I feel like that's something they would excuse, like, 
Because like their movie parties are supposed to cheer and I just quote stuff and I just there's a reason I don't watch TV shows with a lot of people. So well, well if you <laughs> do, why. if you are interested in it, and maybe if, any- if Ryan was going, and we could make like a real nerds thing of it, but. I don't know. I asked him if he was going. He never told me. When is the When does the series end? I think it's the thirty first. The thirty first. Okay, something I'd, around there. I'd have to play extreme catch up on that show if I did it. Uh, but if you are interested, it is going to be playing at the Sloan's Lake Draft House here in Denver. That, yeah. So uh, any other uh, locations outside of Denver, go to drafthouse.com slash the good place. You can find those locations there. Also, as interesting as it would be to see it in a theater with a bunch of people, I don't know if I can justify paying money to go see something I can just watch at home for free. At the same time. A real fan would do it. (laughs) No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm just a poor fan. Not a real one. (laughs) Since my whole life is making I'm gonna start, choices. I'm going to start using that as an excuse. Things. I'm going to start using that as an excuse when I don't want to talk about Star Wars in a conversation. Turn in, <laughs> I'm a tune poor in fan. next week's to Poor Fan Podcast. Dude, I should totally start that show where I'm just like, yeah, I, I don't really like. Are you poor though? Like, yeah, I'm, he's yeah, the one who doesn't have a job. There's really poor people out there. That's true. That's true. I'm not I can't I'm, even go to movies. Yeah, that's true. Like, slightly destitute cast. <laughs> um, poor with quotes around it white privilege podcast it's <laughs> true no no then I, I walk off the show immediately <laughs> um so a little awards news uh the movie from last week 1917 won the pga awards so it looks like it's on the front runner track for the best picture um uh if the awards uh mattered that much i guess this would be big news um does anybody remember david o russell I know James does only when he thinks about hateful thoughts. But... I know who David O. Selznick is, but I don't know. Who oh, he's the other guy is. he's my nemesis. I but know. James's nemesis is David O. Russell because he does not like American Hustle, um, amongst other things. I guess I don't know if that's just the only movie that he finds egregious. But uh, looks like uh, O. Russell is going to be doing a new movie, and what's more, he's going to be reteaming with Christian Bale to do it. So uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, fun combination. They're going to start shooting the movie this year. Not a lot of details on it. So, yeah. Was that the end of the awards news? Because Parasite also won something. Parasite won the the SAGs. Yeah, which is the first foreign film in 20 years to do it. I tend not to do too many awards stories because I don't feel like Brad likes hearing them. Yeah, I don't. Okay. You know, since Ryan's not here and James is not here, we could talk about Parasite in real detail. Oh, my God. We are the only ones who can talk about Parasite and spoil the hell out of it. No, people online are listening. No, fuck it. We're going to review. <laughs> we're not reviewing Doolittle anymore. We're reviewing Parasite. <laughs> there are people who are, w- are waiting for it to earn an Oscar to go see it. Like, that's their justification. Like, well, I, I, I'll watch subtitles if it has an award attached to it. Normally, I am totally in favor of this, but in this case, they should have watched this earlier. Too well, they can skip over the part where we talk about it. <laughs> Start skipping over now. <laughs> and now. Uh, moving on, though, uh, Don't Breathe 2 has a new director. It's going to be Roto uh, Seguayas, who uh, co-wrote the first film with Fede Alvarez. And Stephen Lang will be returning as the blind man. Um, so, yeah, that should be some some fun Shit, I don't know. Again, movies that aren't in production, just yeah. speculation. Oh, would you would you like one that, even though it's kind of a speculation at this point, I would be really excited about it? it better be good. National Treasure 3 might be happening with the Bad Boys for Life writers attached to it. I'm turning down his mic again. You know what? Stop it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, no, uh, Bad Boys for Life, which has been blown up the box office this week. Uh, the two writers have been attached to resurrect uh, the Nicolas Cage uh, adventure series. Um, so Benjamin Gates is coming back, guys. He's going to steal something American-related. You know, Maybe he's going to steal America's heart. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he'll steal ocean. an election. <laughs> oh, my God, if that was the plot... <laughs> I'm gonna That'd become, be a ballsy I'm move on Disney. The president of the United States. <laughs> he does that in the second one. He's got to. I got to kidnap the president of the United States. Yeah, but now he's like, I gotta become the president of the United States. President Cage. I mean, President Gates. Sorry, got out of character for a minute. I wonder if John Voight's coming back too. He's still alive, right? I I think it's best if we just just. It's like it's who was it, the mom in the second one? Helen Mirren. Oh my! God. She could probably still be alive, but I mean, you know, we were able to let Connery. She was just in the Fast and Furious movie this year. I know she's another mom in that too. But like you know, with Connery being out of the Indiana Jones series with just a photograph, I think we can do that with John Boyd, and we'll be just fine. I, I think I think we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Uh, Disney is trying to stop some Etsy shops from selling Baby Yoda items. So uh, yeah. That's that's pretty shitty. Yeah, I. That's not the only <laughs> shitty thing they've done. We'll talk about it in a second here. I mean, it, it's their copyright. They're allowed to enforce it if they choose. I yeah, mean, no, it's yeah. a bad PR to do it, but I mean, yeah. But it's just it's just kind of like, come on, man. Like these, they're just making like it's it. They can't be like charging a hundred dollars. They're like, for, like a, a multi-billion-dollar corporation, and they're going after little Etsy people. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, they're it within their right to do it, but yeah, they're a bunch of dicks. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't look good. But this isn't the first time they've done weird things in the name of their copyright. Like, it just, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Baby Yoda's kind of become the unofficial mascot for internet piracy, so. Oh, yeah. really? That's yep. weird. That's going around on the internet right now. Okay. Have you seen Baby Jabba? Oh my gosh! I don't understand why people think Baby Jabba is cute. Wait, wait, wait! He's we talked so about the ugly. we talked about the stinky character from no. the Clone Wars movie. Well, or? I mean, basically, but it's a different. It's like a fan art that somebody made of Jabba as a baby, but it does look like Stinky from the Clone Wars movie. Okay, people love babies. If you turn anything into a baby, they'll buy it. <laughs> That's why I'm anti-baby. <laughs> so gross. I, you know what I'm looking. It looks like a a slug with plush eyes on it. I'm, I'm looking forward to Baby Brad in The Mandalorian Season 2. Just Baby Brad rocking around, just being critical of everything. No. <laughs> no one wants that. <laughs> we gotta get a live reaction here. <laughs> you don't shave. <laughs> just your head on like... Oh, God. Um... Uh, in the last Baby Yoda news of the day, uh, Baby Yoda is going to be coming to Build-A-Bear workshops up. So, uh, yeah, you want to go to Build-A-Bear and do that, feel free to do it. Um, There's Baby Jabba. Okay. Can I stop looking at it now? <laughs> you can't see it. <laughs> it's fine. I get it. It's so ugly. I get it. Please. I, I mean, it looks it. like belly fat that somebody put googly eyes on. Baby Muppets are cuter. I get it. Um, uh, uh, so I guess the most egregious Disney news, at least in my mind, I don't know how anybody else feels about it, but uh, they're killing the Fox name entirely, and they're renaming the divisions to 20th Century Studios and Search Like Pictures instead. The only thing that prevents me from getting frustrated about it ultimately is is that 20th century fox itself was created out of the merger of two other companies when it first was formed so 
was um fox uh fox movie tone um fox pictures and 20th century and they just combined 20th century fox so this doesn't like it's not egregious but it's kind of frustrating because it just kind of just ends that studio entirely like searchlight i think gets a gets out of it a little easier because you don't need the fox name attached to that to indicate stuff but i don't know i mean the merger kind of took away a bunch of jobs anyway so i guess the this is the final death blow i'm fine with it <laughs> okay i don't care which is just call it 20th cent 21st century studios but meh. who am i whatever uh but film started in the 20th century so it's okay Film's dead, man. It's all digital now. But uh, in case you're wondering, the Search Searchlight Pictures' uh, first official film will be Downhill with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Will Ferrell. Uh, and the first um, uh, call the twenty first 20th Century Banner uh, film will be Call of the Wild, the uh, Harrison Ford, uh, Jack London adaptation. So, so I may go see Call of the Wild now just to see what that new logo looks like. So I'm sure it'll be on the internet before the movie comes out, so you can just watch the internet. Yeah, but I'm kind of curious about that movie anyway. So, I mean, if I went to see, I, I oh, actually I didn't see Cats, so never mind. I, I I should go see Cats though if I can find it playing anywhere. Um, MacGruber's coming to television, and that sounds like fun. Did we talk about that last MacGruber. week? MacGruber. I don't remember us talking about it last week. Maybe it's because me and Ryan were just going back and forth about... Yeah, you were going back and forth on it on Facebook. Yeah, MacGruber is going to become a TV series over on the Peacock streaming service. Uh, Yorma Taccone had pitched the idea um, to networks and streamers, and it looks like it's officially a go. Did you hear Uh, the idea for the villain? I'm going to read the plot synopsis now for y'all. In MacGruber, after rotting in prison for over a decade, America's ultimate hero and uber patriot MacGruber is finally released. His mission? To take down a mysterious villain from his past... Brigadier Commodore Enos Queeth. <laughs> With the entire world in crosshairs, MacGruber, Vicky, and Piper must rest, race against time to defeat the forces of evil, only to find that evil may be work, lurking within. Cool. So, yeah, sounds like fun. Um, and uh, I guess the last piece of news uh, is that Billy Ellish is going to be performing our new Bond theme song. So, um, in other words, who's Billy Ellish? Is she popular? I don't know. That was Billy Eilish. Eilish. She's oh. working with Hans Zimmer again. <clears throat> I, that's why I asked the question: Who is Billy Eilish? She has a popular song. I oh. know that. Okay, cool. Right on. Um, oh, I guess one last piece of news: uh, Mindhunter season three is being put on hold because I guess the con- and the cast has been released from their contracts. So. I think Mindhunter's going bye-bye, and that makes me sad. And I haven't caught up on season two yet, so that sucks. I so. can't believe you skipped over the biggest news of the week. What is the biggest news of the week? That the Miyazaki movies and like almost all the Studio Ghibli movies are coming to Netflix. Really? Yep. Starting in February. Uh, now 21 my- Studio Ghibli films are going to be released starting in February, going into March and April. Okay. So then my mom will now have her wish granted. She's been begging to watch all the Miyazaki movies, and I keep telling her, 20 bucks a pop, Mom, on Amazon.com. Or but you now, can just rent them from the library like I did. My mom's not going to the library. <laughs> I'll go to the library, but... 
her loss. But yeah, now they're. I don't know if all of them are going to be on Netflix, but at least the majority of them will be. Yeah, and you know, I probably could pick up some for for the library. I finally started going to the library again. Like, and I, I got a card, and I guess there's no more late fees for books. No. No, there's no late fees for movies over at my oh. district either. So okay, well that depends on the district, but I know a lot of them don't do late fees for mo- or for books. Okay, just right because on. they don't want people to have to worry about checking out books. Yeah, well, because dude, like I, I hadn't been into that library in a while, and I went into it. It's condensed. There's very little selection on the shelf. Most of what you're getting out of there is through prospector search, where you just you know get titles from other libraries and mostly college campuses. So. Mm-hmm. Sucks. But anyway, that's news. And it's true. You can't see cats anywhere in the Denver metro area. Motherfucker. Um, I mean, it it's probably good for my wallet, but motherfucker. I did want to see what everybody was talking about. Um, shit. Oh, well. I'm sure in two months it'll be out on VOD. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but anyway, that was news. Hey, Blu-rays come out every week. We should probably talk about them right now. Nah. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Okay, fine. Uh, a little news from the peanut gallery over there. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll allow it. Well, uh, watch yourself, McCoy. <laughs> uh, Zombieland Double Tap's coming out on 4K and Blu-ray. You can pick that up. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Brad, did you see it? Did you like it? I what? saw it. Zombieland Double Tap? Yeah. Okay. It's all right. Right on. Uh, something I did see that I liked, uh, Jane Silent Bob reboots coming out on Blu-ray. So yeah, yeah. it's all right. Yeah, it's fun. So, um, American Pie Bandcamp is finally getting a Blu-ray release. So I'm glad we were all clamoring for that. Uh, Pedro Almodovar's Pain and Glory, uh, a Oscar nominee this year for Antonio Banderas, is coming out on Blu-ray. You can check that out. Um, the Adams Family film from 2019 is coming out on Blu-ray. I haven't seen it yet, and I'm kind of curious. So it apparently made a lot of money. Um, there's a Burt Reynolds film from Kino Lober coming out called Semi-Tough. It's one I have not seen. I would love to check that out. Uh, Warner Archives is putting out Cimarron from 1960. You can check that out. Uh, Shout Select is putting out Sliding Doors with Glyneth Paltrow. Um, I've never heard of that at all. Uh, Sliding Doors? Sliding Doors, yeah. Wasn't that an Affleck one from the 90s? Let's see. Sounds like a band name. Is? And now, introducing the Sliding Doors. (laughs) That's Paltrow, John Hanna, John Lynch, uh, Gene Triplehorn, and Virginia McKenna. Even thinking of Forces of Nature. I think you're thinking of bounce, dude. Or bounce. Yeah, you're thinking <laughs> of bounce. Whatever. Also, why were you thinking about bounce? <laughs> I wasn't. You brought it up. No, I brought out sliding doors. <laughs> no, you just asked me, were you thinking of bounce? Yeah, no, no. And I wasn't. Yeah, okay. That's fine. It is my <laughs> fault. I get it. Um, oh, sorry. An amendment to my earlier piece of news. Mm-hmm. It appears that the Studio Ghibli films are not going to be in the North American or Japanese Netflix catalog. Well, then how is this news relevant to Time us? to move. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. I'm going to Australia. <laughs> everyone, Bye, good luck. If you need me, wait, I wait, wait, be wait. in Australia. That's the real nerds movie. Real nerds go European. <laughs> <laughs> Six podcasters travel Europe <laughs> trying to track down the Studio Ghibli movies. Vacation, all I ever wanted. <laughs> and, but they don't find the movies; they find each other. Because <laughs> they, <laughs> they got lost. They got lost. Zach died. 
James is a, in a James is in a German prison. <laughs> wow, dark ending. Uh, Kevin Costner movie called Dragonfly from 2002 is coming out on Blu-ray. I vaguely remember this one. It's, it's Universal re-releasing it. Um, and uh, the Mindy Project, the complete series, is coming to Blu-ray. Anybody watch the Mindy Project? Hey, hey, I actually saw some of that when I was home for the Christmas holidays with uh, my parents have Hulu, uh-huh. and we were watching it. And I'd never seen it before, but it's a pretty fun show. Right on. I, like I mean, Mindy. it's just kind of like, you know, innocuous, like, you know, The Office or 30 Rock or something. Just right on. witty and good to have on in the background. I like Mindy Kaling. Did you see Late Night? Um, I did. It's good. It's, it was okay. Yeah. I liked it. Anyway, that's Blu-rays. Every week we watch movies in a segment that Ryan usually calls what we've been watching. Are you calling it something different this week? This week I'm going to call it, what the fuck you watched this week? So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. It's aggressive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry. Got a little angry there. Corinne, what did you watch this week? Um, So instead of going to see Doolittle, I instead saw a different new release. Hmm. I went to see Makoto Shinkai's new movie, Weathering With You. Oh, okay. That was the uh, Fathom event that I went to and paid $16 to go see it. Then as soon as I got out of the theater, found out they were doing other showings of the movie that were not Fathom events, so I could have gotten into them free with my Regal Unlimited, and I was really pissed. But the movie is great. I loved it. I really want to go see it again. Yeah, I saw a preview for it. Look good. The animation's beautiful. I saw it in the Japanese um, audio, so it had English subtitles. And I sat pretty close to the screen, so it was really like I was looking up at the action and then looking down. And so if I go see it with the English dub, I think it'll I'll enjoy the experience better. But it's still a really, really good movie. Okay. Someone had accused it of being too much like Your Name, which is his previous film. Mm-hmm. But it's different enough i mean yeah there are certain beats that it hits that are the same but i i think it was different enough that it stands on its own two legs Mm. i've heard a lot about your name but i haven't seen it yet oh it's so good i think i like your name better but weathering with you is still a really fucking good movie okay right on so not not quite a sophomore slump then for this guy here I don't think, well, well this your, gotta, this your name wasn't even like his first movie. Okay, that first never mind. big yeah. movie. All right. He's done others. Okay, right should on. check them out. Nice. But, um, yeah, I was weathering with you. The premise is that um, this boy um, befriends a girl who's uh, in Japan. They call them sunshine girls. And it's kind of just like a colloquial thing, but she's really a sunshine girl where if she prays, the sun starts shining and... Um, Tokyo in the film is very much like present day Seattle, basically, where it's like raining 24 seven. They like never get sunshine, but then she prays and the sun will come out. So they start like a little side hustle where they have a website and they're like, you know, the, the sunshine girl will pray for sun. And so people start, you know, basically like giving her money to pray for sunshine on their wedding day or for their their market or whatever. So, hmm. And then things escalate from there. Hmm. That sounds interesting. How does Annie figure into this? Who? 
Annie. Annie. Oh, because the sun will come, come out, out tomorrow. <laughs> She's not in it. I'm sorry. Oh. We'd like to thank you, Bradley. Hey. She's probably not the orphanage anymore. No. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure she got out of there in the 30s, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> At the very least, aged out. They had to get rid of her. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. So anyway, the ending is like really, really good. I don't want to spoil it, but they basically ask a question of, is it worth doing this for at the cost of this? Like, is it worth... Saving Private Ryan? I guess. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, you, it makes you ask the question, like, if you were in that situation, would you have made the same choice? And okay. It's 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 handled in a very interesting way. And the one upside of going to the Fathom event is that they had a interview with the director afterward that they played. And so he was talking about how animating rain, like, it was super difficult. And, like, basically every shot of the movie has rain in it. And they had to hand draw all the raindrops mm. and like there's transparent umbrellas and he's like anytime we had transparent umbrellas we'd have to draw like the raindrops on the umbrella Ooh. in addition to the background behind it so Jesus. and he's like it's really complicated but it looks really nice when it's all done damn That's... and it is definitely worth seeing on the big screen because it is beautiful film it's cool to see hand-drawn stuff still kicking around there then oh my gosh yeah i miss hand-drawn animation so much Hmm. we should see doolittle then Uh, (laughs) we'll we'll get to it brad (laughs) so um and then that actually kind of kicked off a little bit of like a japanese animation thing um because i was listening to some of the soundtrack for weathering with you and someone had mentioned in the comments like if you watch Weathering With You and A Silent Voice back-to-back, you'll get depression. And so I was like, well, time to go get some depression then. <laughs> Free depression? <laughs> Sign me up. Because um, I was like, A Silent Voice, that sounds familiar. Sure enough, it's been on my Netflix queue for like months, mm. and I've never watched it. So I was like, oh, I should check it this out. And yeah, that movie is really depressing, but it's a really, really well-done movie. Um, it's about this guy, he's in high school, but it kind of flashes back to when he was in elementary school and he used to bully this girl who was deaf. And then it, yeah, I know. And then it cuts to the like present day where he's in high school and he realizes like the mistakes that he's made and he's trying to make amends and he finds her and he befriends her. And so it kind of spirals from there and lots of crazy things happen, but does it, does it end sadly? Um, because it's starting really sad. Sort of not. It's kind of a bittersweet ending. I mean, it's a, it's more of a happier ending, but it's not like a super happy ending. On a scale of stay in bed all day to hang yourself in the closet, <laughs> how depressed did you get? <laughs> okay. Um, maybe like stay in bed all day. Okay. Stay in bed I mean, all it was day. like depressing but not that bad i don't know oh. it, it it will your mileage will vary i'm sure i need to wait then before i watch that sounds interesting though yeah like, it's a really good dep- movie depressing and but interesting yeah. yeah they do tackle like yeah there are a lot of heavier themes of like suicide and mental health okay. and i mean it, it, yeah it's a good conversation to have mm-hmm. and it is kind of nice to see like how realistically it's portrayed Mm. Of, like, they just feel like they're 
worthless and like their lives would be better off if they weren't around and so but yeah it has a it has a good it goes on on a good note but it's not like super happy it's not like ta-da like we vanquished vanquished the bad guy all is well hurrah hurrah but it's just kind of like it's a little it's the small victories you know nobody dancing to um uh, any old-timey jazz songs and finding your love from 60 years ago no no, no okay then no. yeah okay i'll watch it at some point then it sounds interesting yeah a silent voice it's on netflix it's another japanese animation um and then speaking of more depressing movies uh, and things about mental health it could get worse than that <laughs> ryan let me punch drunk love oh okay okay and i gotta say sorry ryan i didn't really like it well, you can apologize to me too, I guess, because I like. I'm that sorry, movie. Zach. I don't really like it. Why? I was just like. <laughs> I don't care. I, didn't, but. <laughs> I don't. I just. It was so weird. Yeah, it's, I was it's, just like, "What is happening?" And then like crazy shit happens, and you're just like, "What?" It's and it's both slow and fast at the same time, mm-hmm. and I, I and I guess the biggest hurdle for me was like this whole romance between adam sandler's character and emily watson's character and how she like finds him attractive and she wants to go out with him and i'm like why he's kind of terrible yeah he just admitted that's kind to, of like, the point he just admitted to like beating up a bathroom and you're like i find this sexy it's it's you know it's weird like and i I don't know how valid this comparison is, but it feels like it's the smarter version of what anger management did where, you know, you've got a guy who's off the rails, cannot control his anger, but with punch drunk love, it's, it's a, it's a character driven insular affair. And mm-hmm. like it, I'd have to rewatch it cause I haven't seen it in a while, but I would wonder how some elements of it still hold up. But the last time I saw it, I still liked it. Um, I mean, uh, at least he's never violent toward her, because obviously that yeah. guy would just be like, nope, bye. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 It's He's it's... still, he just seems like such a, like, he needs help. Yeah. Like, he. Well, he has he, no outlet. That's the character's, right. but that's one of the character's problems. Like, but that's, that's how the script is written. So. Right. And then he asks the one guy, he's like, hey, do you have the name of a psychiatrist I can go see? And then, of course... Uh, you know later in the movie everybody's like did you ask so-and-so for the name of a psychiatrist he's like no that wasn't me you're lying you're making that up and he just kind of treats everybody horribly Mm -hmm. except for her and yeah i'm sorry it's hard to root for people like that i mean obviously i want him to get help but the way he's trying to get help is doesn't seem like it's going to be very good long term i would you know what i i mean i don't I would never try to ask somebody to watch a movie again that they didn't like the first time, but it might be one that you might want to sit with and then kind of maybe go back to it. I don't know. But I mean, it's, it's a w- interesting movie to my mind because it's the middle point before Paul Thomas Anderson, the guy who did it goes from one mode of filmmaking to a, not a whole different mode, but just it's a different shift in focus and becomes a little bit more, unfiltered and punch drunk love sometimes feels like it's the midpoint where you get to see both of those at play Mm. because it's not as it's it's not as accessible as boogie nights is i mean magnolia is not 
inaccessible, but it is a challenge. And then Punch Drunk Love is... I don't think I've ever seen any of his other films, so that might also be a detriment to me. You... I don't think... I don't know if I'd recommend Boogie Nights. Um, maybe Magnolia. Um, I, I recommend There Will Be Blood because I think it's great. Um, the Masters, certainly very interesting and one of the more... It's it's a film I keep going back to. I think you'd like it. Phantom Thread might be the one you like the most out of any mm. of them. Phantom Thread's really good. The one with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. That's the, his final. It's kind of like a Daphne du Maurier novel. Okay. Or like I a mean, gothic I've seen Roman. the previews for it, and I was like, maybe I'd see that. But I think you'd be very interested in it. Even if you didn't love it, you'd get like a full spectrum of British behavior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's what I lack in my life. <laughs> it's about a guy who makes dresses and falls in love, but he's incapable of loving anything other than his craft. Mm. And then it becomes something interesting and Rebecca-ish. Mm. Okay. Rebecca-ish. Not Rebecca, right, but Rebecca-ish. Right. I get it. So. I'll check it out one of these days. But yeah. yeah, maybe on second watch I would like it better, but... I think it was one of those movies that just kind of, like, the plot snowballs, but it's so slow starting out mm -hmm. that by the time things happened, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is that? But there's just, like, guys are just beating him up, and I'm like, okay, this is weird. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. But, no. I mean, like, the performances are great, and I actually really like the music in it, like, the kind of different vibes it was throwing off of, like, kind of the classic Hollywood and the kind of more jazz and you know kind of more your typical like old school romance movies and uh, have you seen punch drunk love brad not since it came out okay so i don't, I don't remember anyway, much of it ryan's got the criterion version if you want to rewatch it also if you didn't like this movie i don't recommend uncut gems <laughs> okay <laughs> then because if you didn't like him in that like his character in mm -hmm. that in punch drunk love you're really not gonna like uncut well, i did gems. not see uncut gems so Good. i won't yeah. worry about it then Cool. Um, I also watched North and South, which I think I've talked about on here before. I was watching it with a friend who hadn't seen it yet. We only got halfway through, but it's a BBC miniseries based on the Elizabeth Gaskell novel um, set in, you know, England in the 1850s. And this girl from the south of England moves to this northern industrial town and her and her family are trying to figure out, like, how they fit in in this new place and like there's all this industrial crap that goes down and so it's a really well-made miniseries and nice. it stars some people you'd probably recognize the biggest name is richard armitage who's best known as uh, thor and uh, oakenshield oh, oh i i will i will follow thor and oakenshield into any battle even if it's north and south mm -hmm. so yeah I'd it's really a like four-hour miniseries so i, I always recommend watching it in one sitting but we only got through half of it i he he I, I'm of the opinion that when you watch any trilogy of Lord of the Rings, you need to be sitting through the entire thing, extended or not. Mm -hmm. So if I can get four hours of Richard Armitage without necessarily having to watch all the Hobbit movies again, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's good in it. Is it on Prime? Everyone's good in it. Um, it's on Netflix, actually, but we watched it on DVD. Okay, right on. Cool. Um, and then I'll talk about my TV shows real fast. Perfect Harmony is still pretty good. Um, Superstore is good. Um, and then the big one is Good Place. It's the final season, final couple of episodes. I feel like they really are starting to wrap up and 
excited to see what they do in the finale. I'm excited to see what Ted Danson does next on TV. He keeps Me too. from show to show. He's like been it. he's been on a lot of like Cigna commercials lately, so hopefully he gets like another good gig here pretty soon. Ah, right on. Because I want to see him do stuff that isn't just commercials. I would love to see him be in movies. I don't think we're going to get that. <laughs> um, and then I do have an announcement. I'm sorry Ryan's not here for it because I know he'd give me a bunch of shit, but I've decided that I'm going to give up on the blacklist for now. Wow. So close to the end, too. <laughs> I know. Well, I don't know if they're... I've The rumor on the internet is that they're probably going to get an eighth season because the ratings are good enough, but if it comes out that this is they're going to be their last season, then I will pick it back up again, but... I watched like six out of the eight episodes of their first half of the season because they're on hiatus until March, and I was just so Nothing bored. It yep. just moves at a glacial pace, and Liz continues to be like dumb as a doornail, so <laughs> or whatever. That's so mean to doornails. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I still haven't seen the show, but... She's so stupid. Okay, sorry. I'm going to spoil some shit for you. I don't okay. care. <laughs> Brad might care. So, Brad, if you care, please leave. The Your last brain. thing I saw was uh, Red getting abducted by... Katarina. Katarina. Okay, so. so what happens is that that whole nonsense goes down, right? Then at the very beginning of season seven... Katarina moves in across the hall from Liz, pretends to be her nice elderly neighbor. Oh, hi, I'm some innocuous looking lady, whatever, right? And I'm Russian. But this, uh, this all happens when Liz knows that there's some lady out there who, like, kidnapped Red, almost killed her grandfather, and has, is, like, actively looking for, if not her, at least people who are connected to her. And then some random lady moves in across the hall. Liz does not give any shits. She actually asks the lady, hey, can you please watch my daughter? While I'm off doing crime shit. And Lady's like, sure, of course. And then at the end of the season, I guess, Katarina's like, yes, I am your mother. And Liz is like, I guess a part of me always knew. And I'm like, fucking bullshit you did. That's just your get out of jail free card of like, I guess I always knew. And I wasn't totally stupid. Fucking hell. I hate that show so much. Like, the love and hate were, like, equal, and now it's more hate. So I'm like, nope. I'm this, done. This is your Game of Thrones or more. Well, I stuck out to the end with Game of Thrones, at least. Hmm. I mean, one day I think I'll watch the whole thing when it's, like, all on Netflix or something. But at this point, I'm just, I'm done giving it my Friday nights or whatever. I gotcha. So stupid. Anyway, so I just wanted everybody to know that the blacklist is terrible, and don't ever watch it. You'll get, like, brain cancer trying to do all these stupid mental gymnastics that are required. I do hope this is the end of the blacklist conversations only because we can have a concluding, like, quadrilogy of the discussions that we've had about the blacklist. Oh, no, I'm going to finish it. Oh, so, <laughs> okay. I mean... Yeah, maybe I'll I'm tired be, of being like, jerked around. But... Maybe I'll be like Brad, and I'll just wait till the whole season's on Netflix. Yeah. But at like, least like for now, I'm I don't done. keep up with it. Like yeah. week to week, it's it's something I definitely like. Okay, here's something I'm gonna spend a weekend on, and just get it out of the way. You like know. I said, if they do announce that season seven will be the last, then I will just watch it to the end. Okay. But oh well. Yeah, they can keep dragging it out, but I feel like it's. They need to wrap. They've it exhausted up. every little thread. That will, they, like they've really drawn it out. Will Will the final twist be that red was actually blue the entire time? 
If only. I mean, honestly, that would be more exciting than what they're actually doing. So who cares? It turns out Liz was, was Red Reddington the whole time. <laughs> oh, my God. If they pull off face masks on this show, do they yep. pull off face masks? If only they did. Like that's, a Mission Impossible kind of thing? That's that's how it's going to end. That's how they're going to get out of everything. It's, it, just... it's going to pull back and it'll be a snow globe. And we'll find <laughs> out that it was all in Liz's like dream uh, while she was in a coma. Uh, it's, it's, a movie I, it's a movie I'd need to rewatch even though I don't have any desire to rewatch it. But it turns out to be like a fucking Kaiser Soze situation. <laughs> like, oh, God. Anyway, that's all I've been watching. Cool. Which is a lot. <laughs> Brad? Yeah, I watched a lot too. Whoa! Um, and now I'm keeping track of those things on Letterboxd, so I'll start with the first so one. So am I. I watched Kiss the Girls, which is another Alex Cross movie with um, Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Freeman. Yeah. Uh, but this one, uh, Ashley Judd is his co-star. Yeah. And my note is, seems like each of these Alex Cross movies boils down to, colon, the killer is someone very close to Alex Cross. <laughs> <laughs> and he only figures... <laughs> He only fig- he, he's only able to figure out who done it by someone escaping their own peril. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, not sure how great a detective he really is. You saw Along Came a Spider last week, right? Or I think was so. It? Okay, right on. So you you've only got like what one more, which would be the Tyler Perry one. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna get to that one. Okay, so you won't complete the trilogy. <laughs> is that a trilogy? Oh no. Yeah, I no, thought there were but... three Morgan Freeman ones, but. No. Double Jeopardy also feels like, but that's Tommy Lee Jones. Nah, so. that's a completely different yeah. situation. It's not related to a novel, I don't think. Um, let's see. Also, that's got Ashley Judd in it, too. I also watched the beginning of The Crying Game and got really bored. So, Brad, I'm going to explain some to you about The Crying Game. <laughs> you got to keep going with The Crying Game. Well, I feel like I honest. already know the ending thanks to pop culture yeah but that's not an excuse (laughs) also that i'm just like if anyone was fooled that that person was a lady (laughs) well that's from the get-go i'm 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 i wasn't is the movie on it's it's on netflix right yeah that's how i watched it i want to watch it again but i i that that ending can't work that well today i don't i can't imagine it does i was only uh, i was mostly just bored after Force Whitaker and that other guy are just talking to each other, and the one guy is supposed to be an IRA, like yeah, uh, yeah. a terrorist. Yeah, 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 yeah. and they just kind of bond, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just so such a weird tone that like this guy's life is in danger, and they're they're just having fun about it. Just a weird movie, man. <laughs> yeah, and then he, after Force Whitaker dies anyway, because he runs in front of a truck, mm-hmm. escaping, um, and that's. Uh, James's mom that's in the very beginning of the movie so I'm not spoiling it for you she is not watching <laughs> the crying game yeah. regardless if I have problems trying to rewatch it nowadays Carol was never going to see it period I can guarantee that <laughs> uh, but yeah then he he, go, he goes and falls in love falls in love with Force Whitaker's girlfriend mm-hmm. um, for the rest of the movie and at some point I just passed out and I didn't care to like pick it up again okay yeah. at least you're being honest yeah I mean I'm sure it's a, you know, it's a classic artful movie, um, but it just for me, it didn't, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. this isn't as uh, notable as I remember, as, as told. I just like the way you delivered, like I watched The Crying Game, but I fell asleep halfway through and didn't finish it. Like, yeah. That's a good setup. I mean, to be fair, just... that's a lot of movies for me. <laughs> no, it's no, I don't always talk about them. Yeah, that's true. But The Crying Game in particular is just like, okay, 
you understand. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Um, and then uh, I, I picked up uh, Dolomite Is My Name, finally. Oh, right on. Did you like it? That was Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And actually, I just really want to watch Dolomite now. It's on Prime. Okay, well, I don't have Prime, so I might just get the Vinegar Syndrome I, I, Blu-ray. I, or I, I mean, I can give you my Prime account. You can watch it. Okay. Yeah. If you don't want to pay Vinegar a ton of money or whatever. I don't know. I like Vinegar. They did Taming the T-Rex. That's true. Ooh. So, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, but yeah, Dolomite is my name. was a lot of fun. Um, although it felt a little... Like, it, it, a little shallow, I guess. It, like, it didn't really... Like, nothing s- seemed very hard about the production to me. Um, I mean, yeah, they got a, they had to plug into, like, a neighboring building for power and... Uh, but it always seemed like he just went to his producers and like, hey, can I have more money? And they're like, oh, okay, you can have more money. Well, it's exemplified by the scene where he's begging them to keep kicking in more. And he's yeah. giving away more of the rights it's to It's like albums. no one's about to break his knees about it, you know? No, but I appreciate that because I don't necessarily need that element in any every movie where money's being loaned. Like, the reality is, is that if Rudy doesn't... If Rudy's movie fails, he loses everything anyway. So it's like the metaphoric equivalent of breaking someone's knees or taking yeah, away their I'm, life. So. But still, like, the movie, I never felt like the production really felt like it was in jeopardy. Like, it was ever really going to fall apart. Because, first of all, you already know that it's not going to because we know the movie got made. But So there was never, like, it was, it was kind of like I was just waiting it to get to the end. Even if that were the case, I think ultimately the, the crux isn't it feels like i mean the production could go wrong and there's points where it shows those seams the bigger one is just like it's more like is anybody gonna even see the movie that's the bigger tension there yeah i mean i understand what you're saying it's i just i guess i just don't see it i just feel like there are a lot of roadblocks you're like yeah like people might not see it but um like oh but instead like i was just i was i was charmed with like the indie filmmaking aspect of it Mm -hmm. like all the characters are fun in it eddie murphy's uh uh, great knit um and just seeing all those like people try to make a movie it just you know we live through that yeah we do uh, all the time so um but yeah I, I never felt like the movie never made me feel like they were in danger of not succeeding it's more about rudy failing himself that's what the movie is like it, it well part of it but then he accumulates all these people around him that grow to love him enough that he doesn't want to fail them either but it is very much about Rudy not being, not wanting to fail. Yeah, but the other thing is, like, the movie never makes you feel like he is a failure. Like, he never really stumbles at anything. He always, he always does seem to, if there is a, something that trips him up, he succeeds really quickly in but remedying has, that. So I think ultimately, it's a, he has a lot of inner, he has a lot of inner doubt. There's one of the one of my favorite scenes in that movie is the day before he's about to start shooting and he's just yelling at the people who doubted him. And so it's not necessarily an external, it's more of an internal situation for him. It's one of the reasons why I think Eddie Murphy's brilliant in the movie, because he's dealing with inner conflict and not so much a plot-driven scenario. But I understand, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I totally get what you're saying. But um, And then I watched, uh, well, I watched Knives Out again, and that movie... Like, I enjoy something else different each time I see it. How many times have you seen it now? Three. Okay, right on. But one of those was the director's commentary over it. Oh, okay. okay. So I originally saw it at the film festival, and then I had to wait, you know, months later to watch it. And I did that with the commentary. Mm-hmm. So this last time I just watched the movie as itself again. And, mm. um, yeah, with some of the commentary in the back of my mind, just like, oh, 
there's another thing to notice that's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you've come around on that movie. Yeah, I mean, it could have easily been my 10 spot on the film explosion. So, um, I wish you would have. Then that way I wouldn't have been sweeping everybody. <laughs> um, and then I watched uh, Star Wars again, but in IMAX. Oh. And I'm probably going to stop doing that just because I find... <laughs> Just bums me what, out. Stop watching Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, like it was cool in IMAX. Like it was all big and everything. Um, <laughs> well, every other time I saw it, like from the back of the room. So, like, I, I firmly believe that where you sit in the theater mm-hmm. drastically affects your appreciation of a, of a film. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, like in 4DX, like Ryan had a blast, but I was just like, "Where's all the stuff?" You know. I think Star Wars Nine is treating you badly right now. Yeah. I don't know. I just saw it in the IMAX too, and I think it is a pretty fun IMAX movie. Yeah, um, um, I mean, it's still a fun movie. It's just, I the other half is I watched The Force Awakens again, and I just here's this movie with like asks all these questions and promises all these things, and Rise of Skywalker just is like feels like, hey, you know, forget all that. Let's just get out of here before we upset anyone. Um, everything's fun, yeah. And not to mention, I read a Twitter th- thread of all these Raylo fangirls just being like, Ben Solo shouldn't have died, and I'm like. He Force Awakens. He blew up like three planets. <laughs> like, that guy deserves to die. Join the space all right. You don't come back from yeah. that, man. Huh? Slashed Max von Sydow in half. Yeah, that was my biggest problem. You don't kill Max von <laughs> Sydow. You just don't fucking do it. <laughs> um, yeah, just I, I, like and his he was born into royalty and was like, fuck that. <laughs> Turned into a bad guy. Yeah. Um, was spoiled little brat. Anyway, so, a side note though. Wait, how actually... many times have you seen it now? Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Three. Okay. Yeah. Side note, though, next time IMAX does like an advertising campaign for just their format, they should use a quote from you saying, it was big and everything. <laughs> Bradley Egg. <laughs> IMAX, accurate. It was big. Um, but that's only true at the Colorado Center IMAX one. Everything else is half IMAX. Yeah. Oh, I did find out, though, that Denver Nature and Science IMAX, which is a true IMAX. Oh, yeah, that's a true IMAX. Is still, show- Ferrari. Is still showing Apollo 11, too. Yeah. That would be a good double feature. I would see Ford v. Ferrari again before I saw Apollo 11 again. But what you would do is you go see Apollo 11 first, and then you see the... I saw Apollo 11 in IMAX already. I know, but you do it again, and then you see Ford v. Ferrari in IMAX. I didn't, see, I didn't see Ford v. Ferrari in IMAX yet. Oh, you haven't? Oh, okay, then never mind. I get what you... Did you see it in IMAX? No, 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 no. I I wish I had gone to RPX for And with my Regal Unlimited account, I, it will be free. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Y- did you get it yet? Wait, no. At the... No, Ford v. Ferrari at the museum, so that would not be Regal. Nuts. Yeah. Still be paying. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah, Star Wars. Um, yeah, just... Rise of Skywalker is more disappointing the more I watch it and mm. think about it. Okay. I think, as we maybe discussed on the film explosion or before film explosion, I think James and I were talking about it before, that The Last Jedi is going to age better, that, like, ten years from now, this is the prediction, ten years from now we're going to look back on The Last Jedi the way we look back on Empire Strikes Back, Mm -hmm. and we're going to look back on The the Rise of Skywalker the way we look at Return of the Jedi, where it's like, eh, you know, it's okay. Yeah, I, I said that when Last Jedi came out and people were complaining, I was like, Empire did was not appreciated when it came out. It was people were like, "This is dark. This sucks." And then after time, they realized how smart it actually is, and like why that's important. Yep, let's have a dark second act. It's almost as if people don't bother to actually look into the history yeah. of the thing you're a fan of. Anyway, but I also admit, like Last Jedi has goofy stuff that I don't like, but it's not it's a not dumpster a, fire. It's, no, fine. it's not a perfect movie, yeah. but it's I think fine. it has stuff that people just 
can accept. Yeah, I appreciate that it moves on. Internet fanboys. It tries to grow beyond, you know, what we expect Star Wars to be, which after eight movies, like, I, it has to, like, if they do another trilogy, it's got to be something different. I can't watch Good versus Evil for a re- third time. What about Evil versus Good? Anyway, the other thing I watched. <laughs> I, I do want to say, like, the whole. Because one of the things that they brought up in the Nostalgia Critic review was like, where was the Rise of Skywalker supposed to go? And I'm going to address that in one of my forthcoming iterations of the Rise of Skywalker review on the website. Yeah. I mean, I was reading some stuff of what Trevorrow's pitch was going to be, and I don't... I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I'll tell you where it could have gone. Explain more of Finn's backstory. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could do that. Uh, who else? Any... I'm going to rewrite this fucking We did. Po- po- Poe Dameron was supposed to die in the first one, so mm-hmm. he already got more than he was supposed to, so I'm fine with that. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't I would, want, I I, wish we're going to take up too much time if I think yeah, about it. I, think, I, I only wish the editing were a little bit more smooth. Um, and then I watched all the Tremors movies. Good for you. <laughs> Proud of you. Mm, I, I wouldn't be. Oh, the Tremors How movies are fun. How many are there? There are f- seven. Because- yeah. No, they're six because one is not numbered. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So That's, the original Tremors feels like a movie. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You know, it's it's a fun monster movie. Yeah. Um, and then the second one through the rest of them feel like sci-fi channel TV movies, which I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of them are. Um, but they actually get better by the end because digital creature technology improves mm-hmm. as you go along. So, uh, Tremors is the story of these residents of Perfection, Nevada, mm-hmm. who um, are trying to just, there's two, two characters, one of them is Kevin Bacon, uh, they try to, they take odd jobs in the community um, until these things called graboids, which are these worms. Yeah that can sense vibrations in the earth and they hunt their prey just because you're walking around. Pop up from underneath, yep. Snatch you. They're called graboids because they, yeah, they pop up, snatch you, and grab you in. Yep. Um, Take you down. And so, yeah, those two guys figure out how to stop them. And then the second movie, they evolve. Mm-hmm. And now they're screechers <laughs> or screamers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, screamers. Screamers. Yeah. Uh, so now they're bipedal and uh, run around on land. Uh, but they're blind and... Actually, let me double check. I have only seen the first two Tremors, and I haven't seen them. Well, in I'm going to explain Mute. it to you. Yeah. Huh? Deaf? Are they deaf? They're no, they're just worms. Like no, they're blind, and they're attracted to something else. I forget what it is. I think it's their heat, maybe heat sensitive. Um. Anyway, so then the third one is where it starts to get really silly. Yeah, they are screamers. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. The third one, they can fly, and they fly because they. Uh, shoot fire out their ass and they're called ass blasters now so they're terrorizing people by flying around and shooting fire sounds like something out of harry potter <laughs> and at this point um the character uh burt gummer mm-hmm. who's like the right wing gun nut um he's kind of taking over the franchise and he's leading like the charge to you know, stop them mm-hmm. um and then the fourth one, they decide, hey, let's go back to the 1800s and do a <laughs> Craboid story. So now, like, 
the graboids are smaller worms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's still like, well, everyone in the first movie was very clueless about them being here. But now Bert Gummer's ancestor, who originally met them, never passed. The, like, this seems like a big event to pass down through your lineage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's weird that that character in the future is clueless about these, considering his great-grandfather dealt with them with... And his great-grandfather, like, doesn't like guns, and he's very uh, erudite, um, so he's constantly learning from everybody. And there's a weird thing that um, part of the stuff, like, he moves to to perfection with, like, he has a bicycle that's clearly a modern bicycle. (laughs) Like, their budget wouldn't allow for them to make a more 1800s-y bicycle, or maybe a penny farthing. (laughs) Um did you watch these all on Netflix? Yeah, they're on Netflix. Okay. Because it's like the 30th anniversary, I guess. Well, it's also because the new one, A Cold Day in Hell, came out um, yeah. via Netflix. So. so, yeah, the fourth one, they go back to the Wild West mm-hmm. and stop them, basically with dynamite. Yeah, it's a prequel, yeah. Um, and then the fifth one, um, Jamie Kennedy comes in. Yeah, Bloodlines, yeah. Do you want to explain these instead of me? No, nah, I'm just looking them up because <laughs> I've only seen the first two. So, anyway, keep going. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, Tremors 5, five uh, uh, Burt Gummer has to hunt them again, except now they go to Africa, um, and they bring... Uh, Jamie Kennedy is like a... Like a... You know, like the um, like the wild shows, like Man vs. Wild type thing. Oh, like a, like a Steve Irwin kind of guy? Yeah. Or? So now it's, it's like hunting graboids, but like un- under that framework. Steve uh, doesn't do an Australian accent, does he? That's no, not Australian. It's just, they're in Africa. Oh, okay. And Bert no. Gummer's from Nevada. <laughs> no, no, no. I just meant is the character Kennedy's playing, like trying to go for that Irwin vibe. Or... Uh, no, but they uh, basically it boils down to like, hey, surprise, I'm your long lost kid. Okay. So, <laughs> um, and then the sixth one. Uh, now the graboids are in the Arctic, um, which they just take Nevada and put like a a blue hue over it and and some snow around, and that's kind of the Arctic. Um, so yeah, now just dealing with it on, um, that plane. Right on. Yeah. Oh, and Bert, apparently three movies ago when he got eaten by one of the graboids and escaped, he was actually infected with a graboid strain of virus type thing. And now he's, now it's starting to like really infect his brain and he's kind of out of commission. So Jamie Kennedy has to take care of everything. Bless you. Um, yeah, so that's the, that's tremors. And the last two are actually kind of fun. Um, and like I said, the, this, you know, the first movie was all practical uh, creature effects. Yeah, Ron Underwood, like, took good care and attention for those ones. Yeah, and two and three, you know, they start trying to do some of the shots with CGI, and they're, you know, 90 CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the last two are actually pretty decent, like, convincing you, stuff. You, would you watch the 13 episodes that were made of a Tremors TV series from sci-fi? Uh, if you were able to find Netflix. Yeah, if you were able to find it. Like, yeah. Um, and yeah, like, um, Burt Gummer's portrayal of like a right wing gun nut is actually kind of like amusing. Like they kind of poke fun at it. Like, um, kind of like those, an, those cliches, like an Ashway where they kind of make fun of them or Ashway, like an, a- like an Ash, like Ash from evil dead way. Oh, Ash. <laughs> where they kind of like make fun of him being as stupid as he is or. Yeah. Like obviously he's their best solution to the problem, but, but also like, yeah. <laughs> how he gets carried away with things um gets incendiary too like too much over some small things like yeah yeah uh, but it's also funny because he's played by michael gross who is like the liberal dad on family ties <laughs> so yeah 
Well, I remember him from the first two, but I don't remember him being a guy. I have to rewatch these. Yeah, it really Netflix. comes into his own in the in the third one because yeah, the first two it's Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon, and the second one Kevin Bacon obviously didn't come back, uh, but Fred Ward stuck around, and then he got like there was basically another Jamie Kennedy t- character type, okay. like a goofy sidekick. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, I thank God these are on Netflix. I might actually go through all these now. Yeah. Right. I mean, overall, I don't think like the highest score I gave any of them was two two and a half stars. <laughs> I like that but first one. The first one's lot, pretty yeah. fun. It's the one that feels most like a movie. Yeah, everything else feels like an episode of something. <laughs> so, but you know, and they all kind of have the same plot, like the same characters kind of die in each one, <laughs> same scenarios. But I'm actually I'm actually impressed with how different they do try to make each one. They don't necessarily go back to the same first ones well each time kind of like the leprechaun uh, series where they didn't kind of didn't care at that point so yeah i haven't watched enough leprechauns to compare it but <laughs> you know the fact that they're like okay yeah now they're now they have two legs now they can fly um now it's in the west now it's in africa now it's in arctic you yeah. know it would have been easy to just stay in perfection the whole time yeah um so that's what i watched Awesome. Zach, what did you watch? Uh, Just a couple things. Nope, I watched a lot of things. So strap in, folks. Um, I watched the New American Experience uh, episode on Joseph McCarthy. Um, It was actually one of the most informative pieces on Senator McCarthy I'd ever seen, like from a documentary standpoint. Hmm. Like, I mean... And it's weird because, like, for all you learn about him in in school, in any form, whether, like, civics class, history class, whatever, like, there's a lot that that documentary talks about that really digs into, like, it's not just from, like, comparing it to a modern perspective from what we're dealing with right now, but the additional factor is just, like, man, like, this guy was just, like, he literally just kept going with his bullshit. Like, he just, he was incapable of stopping to the point where he started believing it. Um, but it's pretty interesting. They inter- amongst the people they interview is actually a person who was part of his election campaign for Senator initially in the late forties. And she still supports McCarthy, even though we know what he did. So it's, it's pretty interesting. And they talk about the lingering effects of McCarthyism and how there are people who still believe that what he did was right, even though we have all the information we have. So it's, it's very haunting um, and uh, very disconcerting, and we're all doomed. Um, I rewatched The Shadow, my favorite guilty pleasure movie. Um, movie's still fun for me, but every it seems like every time I've rewatched it since 2012, when my friend first pointed out that there's Kenny G jazz music in the movie that I wasn't really paying attention to. Is that the one that looks kind of like Sin City? No. What am I thinking of? I don't know. Maybe The Spirit. Oh, man, yeah, the shadows with Alec Baldwin and Penelope Ann Miller and Tim Curry, and um, it's an adaptation mm. of the radio and um, uh, detective magazine character, The Shadow. Because they wouldn't let Alec Baldwin be Batman. <laughs> yeah, so they made him a cooler superhero, Brad. <laughs> no. Whoa, 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 whoa! I, actually, whoa, whoa, you know, whoa, actually, I, I can't even say that with a straight face. Like Batman is ten times a better, like, or a cooler character compared to The Shadow, like overall. I think the shadow's got interesting stories on radio and in detective magazines, but nobody's ever been able to do him on film properly. 
primarily because like and i and i've been figuring this out over the past couple of years the shadow doesn't really work well from a visual standpoint it really is a good theater of the mind thing whether it's books or radio because his powers are kind of set in a you know mind sphere it's not it's hard to visualize it um i think you could make a really good horror-ish kind of movie out of the shadow because that would be able to give you a way to do his powers because he has the ability to cloud men's minds and uh know what lurks in people's minds and hearts and souls and um so is this a good movie it's because you make it sound like it's not but here's you the, just like here's the, the character here's the thing it's not like egregiously bad but it's a superhero movie from the mid 90s that has the problem has problems because it doesn't understand how to reconcile the fact that it's trying to be kind of like a Dick Tracy thing, but also wants to have the franchise potential of a Batman movie. Um, so on a scale of the dark Knight to Batman and Robin, where does it fall? Um, Batman forever, but I like it. So okay. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I mean, there's not many old time radio movies made for me, so I'm going to take what I can get. Um, well, I have to reevaluate Lone Ranger because I don't think I could probably I could I don't think I could defend that today the way I did a couple of years ago. So, um, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's just it's fine. It's just a, it's a movie that I keep starting to see the different blemishes each time. But then there's also things I really like about it, like things that they do get correct. Like there's a scene where the shadow uh, overwhelms Tim Curry in a ballroom, and Tim Curry starts shooting. Uh, in a circle because he's going crazy at all the walls because he's trying to figure out where the shadow is. And in the grand scheme of showing how the shadow's powers works, it's actually one of the best scenes, along with the scene on the bridge at the beginning um, where he's defeating criminals who are about to kill a guy by throwing him off the bridge with cement shoes on. Um, but yeah, there's there's also just a lot of issues. And there's also logic issues and consistency issues. But I have fun with it. Like Plot holes in a movie. Yeah, I know. It's as if though nothing's perfect. So, yeah. You know, it's whatever. I mean, my number one of last year's got plot holes and I don't care. Um, but uh, so, yeah, it's the Shadow and the Scream Factory or the Shout Factory edition that they put out is a great transfer. So. I dig that they treated a movie that doesn't – it has a cult following. But, like, I mean, I'm glad that they gave it some attention. I rewatched Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. The only thing I wanted to bring up about it, because I rewatched it last year during the live show, but there's a stunt near the end of the movie that I I, I really want to find a clip of it on YouTube to show people. But the stunt work doesn't get appreciated in monster movies enough. I don't feel like people talk about it as much compared to the people who perform those stunts. But – so it's it's Frankenstein's monster and the Wolfman are fighting in the lab in the climax of the movie. And the Wolfman gets on top of a piece of lab equipment that's I want to say about the height up to these lights uh, above us. Uh, I know people can't see it, um, but the Wolfman's on top of it. Frankenstein's monster just pulls that equipment out. That equipment flies out because it's obviously cardboard or whatnot. That stunt man lies on is holding on top of it for a solid five seconds and then just flies with it and i i mean i wish there was a commentary where somebody could like tell me a behind the scenes story about that moment because it's one of the best stunt moments i've seen in a monster movie in a in a while and like and i've seen this movie before but it's something i've just never noticed until this last viewing so it was cgi oh <laughs> 
fuck you. <laughs> I, I, it makes me want to. It was wanna... a matte painting background. Yeah. I rear mean... screen projection. Oh, I'm sure it was. Yeah. It, you know, Hitchcock directed it. He's really good with rear projection. But, I, you know, I, I want to go back after I've finished up rewatching the collection and then go back again and start just noticing the stunt work on, at the very least, mostly the Frankenstein and Wolfman movies. Like a Dracula movie is not going to have a lot of good stunts. Like and it, I'm getting to the point where stunt. I don't know. Work's I mean, what about all the animal work with like the bats and the wolves and shit? No, the bats are on strings in Dracula. I can see the strings. That's the that's that's the thing about some transfers are just so good that I can see the strings. Actually, in the shadow, when I had it on that TV, I noticed some strings on Alec Baldwin when they're pulling him up um, outside of a building in one scene. So. Um, but yeah, no, Frankenstein meets Wolfman. Um, kind of like I said last year at the live show, it's, you know, it's the Batman v Superman of the fucking monster universe where, like, the fight that they actually have only lasts for a couple minutes. But I think, unlike Batman v Superman, this ending has more satisfaction somehow because a dam blows up at the end and kind of just stops. Doesn't really, there's no mother revelations or anything. So, um, save. Yeah, Wolfman. but it's <laughs> Wolfman's my mother's name. <laughs> um, it's also the one where Bella, uh, Bella Lugosi plays the monster and kind of re- creates that look and feel of the monster that we always tend to replicate with the stretched out arms and the you know blind walking because that's not a Karloff thing. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's never been my favorite from the moment I was a kid. Like, it's kind of just the one that I would watch if I didn't have any of the other ones to watch. So. Um, I saw Suburbicon for the first time. Uh, Is that the one with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck? Nope. Matt Damon and Julianne Moore and Oscar Isaacs. Um, this is a movie directed by George Clooney. Oh, George Clooney. Um, George Clooney right. directed it. Um, and it's from a, it's a, it's written by Clooney and his writing partner, Grant Heslov from a script by the Coen brothers that they wrote somewhere at sometime after blood simple. Uh, which is their first film, and they kind of just shelved it for a while. Um, the story of the film is uh, is a it's about a you know a Levittown like community called Suburbicon, and there's two things happening at once, and they don't work well together. I'm just going to get that right out of the way. Um, the first thing is is that Matt Damon plays a guy who is married to a woman who's an invalid. Um, played by Julianne Moore and her twin sister also played by Julianne Moore uh, lives with them and then their kid played by Noah Jupe who's um, Shia LaBeouf in the Honey Boy movie Uh, and people come into their house um, chloroform them all to take things but they actually overdose the Matt Damon's wife and uh, it's it turns into kind of a double indemnity kind of scam where it's a life insurance scam where Matt Damon and the sister of the wife are lovers and they murder the wife so that they can collect the insurance money and start new lives in Aruba. Um, And the problem is, is that the kid has been seeing everything and knows the identity of the people who killed his mom because he saw that before he passed out from chloroform. So he's, it's caught up in this kind of like, you know, like I said, like this, you know, late 40s early 50s noirish life insurance kind of scam like the dark underbelly of suburbia um and then the other story uh is that across the like literally like next door from matt damon's house is that an african-american family has moved into suburbicon and all the white people are upset 
Now, the problem that I have with this movie is that, as I and I guess it's the same problem everybody else has, and they're correct, is that the second story that I just mentioned is treated as a set piece. It should be it should be either the focus or more prominent, um, and it's a little green bookish and it's more um, like a subplot. Yeah, and it shouldn't be a subplot. It's way more interesting a story than a noir story I've seen before. Here's the thing. This movie has problems. It's problematic. It's a green book kind of situation with that second story that I was talking about. Um, and I, But I don't think George Clooney is intending that or anything. Like He's not trying to solve any issues. I, 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 it feels like it's misplaced. And like... So like, but it, again, it's still frustrating. The problem is, is that the whole movie's fascinating to watch because of how imbalanced it is. Um, and there's moments in it from a directing standpoint with like the camera work and stuff that people are doing that I find interesting. Uh, none of it has to really do with anything important to the movie. It's just like aesthetics and details. But this is also like the, one of the angriest movies I've seen. Hmm. Uh, out of George Clooney or anybody in that cast, really. Um, Matt Damon turns into a straight-up horror villain by the end of the movie, and there's a scene that's incredibly tense and uncomfortable where he basically, after all is said and done, and he and his son are the only ones left, and his son knows that he did things, he basically gives him the option to um, play along with him that you know, so that the police don't arrest Matt Damon or Matt Damon's going to kill his own kid. And it's uncomfortable and disturbing. And it's the most horrific I've ever seen Matt Damon in a movie in terms of the character he's playing. Mm -hmm. So what I say that there's interesting things in there, it's, it's, it has nothing to do with like things about this film that could have been or whatever. It's more of just like, there are things that are worthy of watching but the whole movie doesn't work. It's two different stories that would work to separately on their own in a better way. I was going to ask, would you rather it be two different movies? Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally did. I mean, and I talked to Henry about it via text afterwards. Like it, he's, I mean, and he, 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 he pointed it out. Like, it's just like, the, it seems like Clooney didn't know. I think Clooney wanted to take this Coen brothers idea mm -hmm. and, tell a relevant story alongside it and there's nothing wrong with wanting to tell that relevant story but i think it should be its own thing um it, it just i don't know it's 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 disappointing because you almost could have done like a more anthology movie where like it's different yeah like I, well see here's the problem it, if like all the stories take place in suburbicon here's the problem but, then... but if but if he's only doing these two stories unless he sets it up as an anthology like a buster scruggs thing right it's already proving that it either needs to stick to one or the other. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think if if there's anything he's going to do in terms of Suburbicon, the concept of Suburbicon, it's just doing the Matt Damon story and then telling a more austere story with the B, with the B plot that shouldn't be a B plot. It should be way more important. Like the point of the film is supposed to be like, you know, the, the things we ignore one set of families for doing when the other family is getting harassed for no reason. Mm -hmm. But it just, it misses the mark completely. Um, but Oscar Isaac's amazing in it, in the two scenes that he's in. Uh, like I said, Matt Damon's a horror villain in the movie. Uh, I don't, I, J J Julianne Moore's okay. Um, 
And then there's just also interesting characters. So like, I get it. George Clooney wanted to make a Coen Brothers movie, and I love George Clooney's films. I, I genuinely adore them. Good Night and Good Luck is one of my top 50 films of all time, if you read my letterbox list. But And I it's it's about things that I, I'm deeply passionate about. And Suburbicon even has radio references, and it's a suspense, and they use it beautifully in the moment for an isolated moment of suspense. But it just doesn't uh, – it doesn't – work as a whole like i mean i can like one scene but you know like is i wish it could have been a whole thing that worked but it's clear that it was never going to so and it's unfortunately a situation where i don't think that the cohen whatever the script that the cohen's wrote was written after blood simple probably got done with blue velvet where you're talking about the dark dark underbelly of the 50s like idyllic society Mm -hmm. so so yeah, I don't recommend it unless you're fascinated to watch it because it's kind of like a horror movie in certain respects or a thriller. And it's on it's on Prime for free, so but yeah, I might watch it again at some point if I go through Coen Brothers related stuff all over again because I, I, it's similar to Gambit. Their remake of Gambit doesn't work either, so but um, that's not that's not on them, you know. Um, Gambit, that's the one with Colin Firth, right? Yes. And Cameron Diaz. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan Rickman. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, I rewatched a- Reanimator, um, uh, the uh, Stuart Gordon ad- adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft. I hadn't seen this movie in a while, and Ryan gave me the Blu-ray two years ago, and I just I've had it on the shelf, but I haven't rewatched it in a while, and I rewatched it, and that movie is so fucking insane. I love it so much. Um, about a guy, you know, about a guy. Uh, going to medical college, uh, a guy, um, he meets another guy who rents a room from him. Turns out that that guy is running experiments to bring people back from the dead with a vial of, uh, slimy green, like neon stuff, brings a cat back a lot, back to life, you know, chaos ensues, um, starts bringing actual bodies, uh, human bodies back to life. Chaos ensues. It's a Stuart Gordon movie. So there's just blood and guts flying all over the place. And, uh, you've got Jeffrey Combs playing the mad scientist, the Fra- the Dr. Frankenstein type character. And I hadn't really like given reanimator much thought other than, wow, this is a really fun gore fest, but rewatching it, I was like, wow, Jeffrey Combs ones up one ups Colin Clive for craziness in terms of a Frankenstein type doctor. Like Jeffrey Combs is insane. And I, it makes me want to finally watch bride of reanimator and beyond reanimator. Cause I've never watched the sequels for whatever reason, but I've I've had a soft spot for that first movie for a while, and this may this may be the catalyst for me to watch those films again. But yeah, it's fun. I've only got two more. Um, I rewatched Joker. Uh, thanks for loaning that to me, Brad. And it it sat with me better the second time. Um, I still am not a, as big a fan of the movie as other people are, but I totally get it. I totally get it. Like the the film. Uh, grew on me a little bit, but some of my problems that I had with it still, um, uh, no matter how much they, f- I felt like they were kind of lifted a little bit. It still felt like they were kind of still there. I still feel it's a little too broad in its approach to certain things, but, um, I mean, Joaquin's amazing in it. And, uh, I, I was actually noticing the music a lot more this time. And that score is pretty fucking, you know, annoying no yeah. i think it's awesome i think it's an awesome score 
I disagree. Really? Oh, yeah. It was like the... Well, I disliked a lot of parts of that movie, but that was maybe the most obvious one. Because mm-hmm. it would just be like so in your face. Mm-hmm. And it's like, please shut up. Well, it's, that's what it's going for. I mean, well, it's an Oscar nominated score, so that proves that it's good. And it, I think that's... it won Golden Globe, right? <laughs> no. I, I I mean, again, I, I just found this... I found the score very interesting. And, um, you know, again, like... I'm not as enamored by this movie as other people are. Like I learned on Facebook that are apparently people who, if you didn't put that on your top 10 list, you were a jerk. And I'm like, okay, I I guess all of us are jerks except Ryan. I'll tell you. I mean, well, and that's the thing. Like I, I understand why people like the movie. I liked it. I just, I'm not in love with it. I still think it's a really good horror movie because it pulls off one of the best horror sequences of last year with that scene in the apartment. Um, but, um, and also the finale sat with me better, the scene with Robert De Niro. And I think that's because I focused more on Joaquin's performance and less on what De Niro was doing. Um, because I feel like De Niro's sh- character shift is strange. But it's weird because we don't spend a lot of time with his character because we really don't need to. Um, but, and, you know, I, that that last shot, you know, as disturbing as it is, like it's it's a shot that still reminds me of what could be the end of an episode of a Batman property. So, and that was the other thing. Part of the reason that I enjoyed this film a lot more this time around is because I started thinking of it as a Batman movie, and I didn't bring in the baggage with me from when I first went into it, which is a movie about mental illness. So, I watched it as a Batman movie, and I realized, like, man, like Gotham City's like corrupt as fuck like not just from the criminal angle like the politics of gotham city are fucking nuts so when i watched it through that batman lens which i should have done the first time i was like oh oh this is a good batman movie right on <laughs> i just kind of moved on with my day also I mean, very if any of it even happened at all yeah <laughs> i i don't i i mean i don't know that that movie's that movie's playing some interesting mind games um, but yeah, like I said, I bumped it up half a star. So, and then the last thing I saw was Tammy and the T Rex. What the fuck did I just watch, Brad? <laughs> uh, hopefully, a fun movie. I think I watched everything. I think everything in cinema happened in that movie. Yeah. But but you know what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Sometimes I send innocuous like weird texts about like I wish they would do this random thing in a move from a movie into real life like. I know, like, Joaquin Phoenix got arrested, and I was just like, man, it'd be so cool if the Batman actually went into Joaquin Phoenix's cell and they did a standoff. Like, stupid jokes like that. Um, Tammy and the T-Rex made me realize that nothing I wish for should ever be granted. Because you get insane things like Tammy and the T-Rex. At the same time, I'm so amazed by this movie, and I now want to get the Blu-ray <laughs> and rewatch it. Um have you been hearing the episodes where we've talked about yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to repeat the plot, but I'm going to talk about Byron for a second because that character's the 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 gay best friend. Oh. That character's so like it it's very dated, a very dated stereotype. He's also my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> He's the only one that makes any sense of anything going on. Um Denise Richards plays charades with this dinosaur. Um the cops in this movie are pretty, pretty fun, fucking funny. Um, I don't know what the weekend at Bernie's guy is doing, but he's doing something and I appreciate it because I appreciate he's making a weird choice. Um, 
I mean, Paul Walker's barely in the thing. And that T-Rex effect actually looks pretty fucking badass. Uh, it's not... I can see the limitations of it because of the 4K, but... Uh, I, I didn't give you a 4K. No, no, but the Blu-ray upgrade... Like, it looked... I could see where the mouth ends. But then I had to it's remember it's supposed to... Yeah, but I remember it's... I understand, yeah. but it upreses it. I could see where the mouth ended, but then I remembered, oh, it's supposed to be a robot dinosaur. I was unclear about that in the first 15 to 20 minutes of this movie because I thought it was supposed to be a real dinosaur that they were bringing to life through the robotics. Um, But then when I realized it was a robot, then the effects just made complete utter sense to me and I just let myself go. Yeah, Um, funnier that way. Yeah, also the, the, the tiny assistant who's making me-level puns during the surgery. Um, like, he's lost his mind. Um, uh, who's the doctor from um, Captain America, First Avenger, that Toby Jones plays? Oh, uh... uh it starts with a Z. It's like Zola. Zola. Uh, Zola, I, I, yeah, Zola, Zola. yeah, yeah. That's the uh, that's, that's that's a character. That's all I kept parallel. Yeah. yeah, I kept I kept thinking about that, and also, why are you here? <laughs> like, what? Like, it, just because your computer was shut down, like he doesn't want to use your computer anymore. And Bernie pays well, I guess. I guess so. And that's then, why the Flash uh, Gordon is there too. And then uh, John John Claude Van Don't, um, mm-hmm. whoever he is, is it's 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 fun to watch that him get squished. But then that scene where Bernie and his, I guess, porn star assistant, I don't know who she is, like what what her expertise in this all is, but they just grab that f- clearly fake flat body and just pull it in. And the whole time I'm watching Tammy and the T-Rex, I was just like, I'm confused why I'm enjoying this so much. And I realized this was supposed to be a comedy. Like I didn't think about that when I popped it in. Like, I just imagine bad, bad movie. This movie thinks it's a comedy. It's not, but it thinks it is. Like, it thinks its jokes are funny. And the things that are funny about the movie are not their jokes. Unless I'm being ironic when I look at it. But I appreciated the intent to make this kind of movie. Because the guy who directed it did the Ice Pirates. And that's the similar level of B-movie zaniness. So I liked it a lot. Um, I don't don't think they took themselves seriously when they were making it, but I think initially it definitely feels like they, they were making an earnest go of it as something like really special. And then halfway through, they kind of like, well, we're out of money. Yeah. And this effect isn't working, but we can't turn back. So let's just kind of embrace how bad it might be. Yeah. Yeah. That's the impression I get from the movie. Yeah, which is totally fine. And I saw the R-rated cut. I didn't see the PG-13 cut that's on there. Um, oh. Yeah, it's on the disc. Yeah, Ryan said so. Um, but yeah, and, so, and I need to watch the special features too because I'm confused as to why it's called Tanny and the T-Rex first, but I guess there's a story behind that. So. Yeah, they said something uh, about it at the midnight and I forget what it was. Okay, right I think on. it has something to do with the Australian release. Right on. But yeah, no, this, this movie is fucking nuts and I recommend everybody watch it. Because I actually watched it. I wish I had watched it after I watched Joker. Because Joker leaves you depressed regardless of how you feel about the movie. It's just like it's a bleak movie. And Tammy and the T-Rex lifts you up. Brings you, brings you 
brings you back up to spirits. Um, especially when you watch Denise Richards give a strip tease to a brain that's had alcohol poured on it. it. I don't get that scene, but I appreciate how it goes for broke in its insanity. It just, Oh, I get it. Yeah. It the just, director wanted her in her underwear. Yeah, for... <laughs> no, well, that part, that part too, but just like, it's just the fact that they like go for broke on that fucking brain and like pouring alcohol on it and just being ridiculous with it. Like, and it's a movie I wouldn't want to see like an MST three K or a riff tracks do Cause I'm just like, no, just leave this alone. It's kind of like the room where I'm just kind of like, leave it alone. It's funny on, on its own. Yeah, it's fine. But yeah, that's all I watched this week. This week we saw Doolittle. Corinne, you didn't see Doolittle. No, I saw a much better movie apparently. Or at least that's what Rotten Tomatoes tells me. Right on. Well, aggregates are always correct, right? Uh, I, I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I know. That was kind of the joke. Um, Brad, should people see Doolittle? Um, this movie's definitely... I'm not the target audience for this movie. Um, I can definitely see very little kids enjoying this because it is dynamic. Um, it is silly. Um, but as an adult... Um, it feels like Robert Downey Jr. is uh, acting in a different movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the humor is not my type of humor. Um, probably the thing I enjoyed the most was Jason Manzoukas voicing a dragonfly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is some dark humor jokes that I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Like dark emotional level jokes yeah, for yeah, some yeah. of the some of the characters that yeah. like blink and you'll miss it. Um and then uh, I kinda wish this movie was the uh animated opening because that was really charming. Yeah. Um so yeah, I I think if you got little kids maybe under six, take them to it. Um but as an adult you're you're gonna be wanting to check your phone. I can say when I ran into them at Buffalo Wild Wings, they had just seen it, and Kellen said that he liked the movie. So I do think kids will enjoy it. Endorsed. Mm-hmm. Yes. By the target audience. <laughs> yeah. Zach, should people go see this movie? I ended up giving it two stars um, on Letterboxd. But, because here's the thing, as... You were because you're saying Kellen liked clearly liked it. Yeah, kids are the target audience. This is a film that inevitably my nephew is probably going to find on a Netflix somewhere, and I'm going to have to rewatch it, and I'm just going to have to suck it up and deal with it. Uh, objectively, I don't think the movie's good at all. Um, I don't, I don't like think it's a travesty. Uh, like in terms of like, I mean, it's there have been worse movies. Uh, I think that this movie is just kind of disappointing because there's potential within the first five minutes with that animated opening, like of the wonder that could be there, and then I think it devolves sadly into a lot of studio mandated jokes and a lot of ADR and a lot of choppy editing and plot point plot moment like missing plot or scenes entirely um that are covered up with voice narration um i think robert downey jr is fine but the performance does seem patched up from reshoots and additional adr um but i 
I don't know. Like it's, it's interesting to see how this movie looks by comparison to other movies that went through like tons and tons of reshoots. Cause this one just feels like they didn't even try to fix anything. Um, but I could rewatch it if my nephew would want to watch it again. So there you go. Here's a trailer for Doolittle. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, Are you Dr. Doolittle? but embark on this perilous journey. Everyone pack your bags! <laughs> you can talk to animals. Yes. I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I. It's okay to be scared. No. I think to myself. Hello, Barry. Hello, lunch. This is very bad. What a wonderful world. Somehow, we just belong together. I'm coming, Doc! Yes, I think to myself. Oh, what a wonderful world. Nobody told me there'd be a dragon! I'm too beautiful to die. I'd like to reinforce that my position on the the humor, the the jokes are safe. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, no, no, no. They're safe. Yeah. A couple of them are crass, but when I talk about like, oh, I enjoy the dark humor, uh, don't take that as the whole movie. That's like one or two instances of the movie. Yeah, no, like it's <laughs> that it's, only an adult will recognize. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's not egregious on that level by any stretch. For like a, it's it's certainly a lot more prescient or uh, aware of that and how to avoid that than like an illumination movie is i guess if we're talking about what's safe for kids and whatnot like i mean like yeah the illumination jokes can be funny but they don't really work in those movies these ones are safe but they're like safe on a like 1990s level safe it's really strange like yeah it it reminds me of the dr Doolittle movie with eddie murphy where the animals like they you know spit out wisecracks and like catchphrases and all that stuff. And the only thing that tells me that the Eddie Murphy Doolittle movie from the nineties is better is that they had the wherewithal to set that in the modern day. This one confuses me because half the animals are talking like they're coming out of the present day. But meanwhile, we're in a Victorian era setting and whatnot. And like, 
And I get I get it. It's a movie. It doesn't need to make sense like that, but yeah. But yeah, the, that means you're. Thankfully, you're not getting like modern pop cultural references in their jokes. Yeah. So that is true. Like they don't go that far. Like, so, so I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, well. But also at the same time, that also leaves like no edge to anything. So that like, as an adult, I'm just kind of like bored. Yeah. The, the, like I laughed the most when um, Jason Manzukis' Dragonfly character finds out that he's being cheated on <laughs> well, by other insects. And so he's like, yeah, I'm just going to fly right headfirst into a brick. Um, that, and that's the thing that, that that scene in itself is like really the only it's one of two pop culture references because it's obviously doing the Godfather um, or a gangster type of trope where it's like you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding is mm-hmm. a line from one of those ants. Well, actually, there was a pop culture reference because that is a Godfather. Yeah. 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 Which kids aren't going to recognize. And then I don't know if it's necessarily a pop culture reference, but so in the first live action scene of this movie, um, our main hero, uh, who's a young boy who happens upon Doolittle, uh, and Doolittle's in recluse because his wife, or his his lady, I guess it was his wife. It was his wife. They're married. Yeah, his wife um, went off on an adventure to find the Eden tree. Yep, the tree um, with all the solutions to all the medical ailments. Yeah, but she uh, perished in the waters before she could reach it. Trying to find it. Yeah, so this small kid um, happens upon Doolittle. Because um, he shot a squirrel. Yeah, because he shot a squirrel. So that squirrel gets help from Doolittle and then the squirrel wakes up and the squirrel starts having Kill Bill flashbacks <laughs> to not just the kid but an exploding car and like old film strips and cigarette burns that explode the film like nitrate and how he's going to take revenge on the kid yeah and it's Craig Robinson playing the squirrel and, and and Craig Robinson is a squirrel I'm totally down with I have no idea why you needed to you know all, short of playing that Isaac Hayes cue from Kill Bill I don't know how more on the nose you could have gotten. Well, I was um, looking through the director's like filmography and his past credits are Syriana gold. He co-wrote traffic. Um, so it's like, it just feel like at a certain point, you know, he's making this sugary movie and all of a sudden it's just like the adult in him just has to get out. Well, like, okay, let's put like Godfather reference here. Let's, <laughs> let's have the squirrel fantasize about revenge. Yeah. I mean, and the thing that should be pointed out is it seems like Stephen Gagan wasn't even, I'm curious how much of his actual work is left on screen because Jonathan Leavesman was brought in to uh, do reshoots and Leavesman's the guy who was on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot. Um, First one. Yeah, so I'm curious as to what is actually left of the movie that they shot and tested that was testing poorly. Yeah, the whole credits thing, like suddenly there's like, it feels like a modern pop song um yeah by sia something like that yeah that feels like very much a studio at the last minute being like hey let's copy these other movies yeah and it just and Um, yeah i mean but i mean the thing is though it's technically it is harmless like entertainment yeah it's it's harmless saccharine fun um you know you're just being charmed by silly animals all the time um so yeah robert danny jr uh the queen comes calling she's been uh poisoned if you're an adult you figure that out right away yeah um, exactly. but he does his little detective work and then he gets called to like oh i gotta go find this tree um then uh, he takes his apprentice the boy along because the boy wants to be like him yeah and then halfway there um they f- run into they have to get like his wife's journal 
Yeah. Uh, but it's left on this island where her dad was, and her dad is Antonio Banderas. Play, playing, I think, a person who has seen the movie Doolittle and has truly gone mad, like we are about to go mad as we're watching the movie. Yeah. So um, it was like a short um, excursion of all the zany ways we can infiltrate a castle and get the book and they get captured. And then the whole time Michael Sheen is this other rival doctor who's been appointed by the person who poisoned the queen to go but, chase yeah, played by Jim them down Brad and ben, sabotage yeah. their efforts. And then they find... They do. They destroy their ship. They get away. He gets the book, um, and then Antonio Banderas gets over his grudge with Doctor Doolittle. Yeah, for like a moment. Gives them a boat. They really quickly meet up at the island that is like this fantasy island that you need a book to find. Yeah. Uh, they find it anyway, and then they encounter a dragon. Yeah, who's guarding the Eden tree? That they need to give a colonoscopy to. <laughs> And that's like the crassest joke in the movie is Robert Downey Jr. getting farted on. Here's the thing, though. It is a doc. He is a doctor. Yeah. But if like all the surgeries they could have done to help that dragon pulling uh, soldiers, iron helmets and swords out of its ass was not something I expected in this otherwise really um, safe movie. It feels, you know, what's funny, though, like it, it's not treated as like a like a dumb joke. It's treated with... It feels very earnest. Like yeah, it's very earnest. He's very caring about this this dragon's plight, but, like... You just weren't expecting, like... But but, but what were you... All ex- the places to go. Yeah. Like, usually it's a, um, I got a thorn in my paw, <laughs> or, um... <laughs> Audiences are a little too mature for thorns in the paw. <laughs> uh, I swallowed something, and I got to extract it the other way. <laughs> Um, I mean, so, it could have been dragon cancer. That would have been interesting. Yeah, I could have been suffering from dragon cancer. <laughs> um, yeah. I know you wanted to call this episode Don't Little, but can you make the alternate title Dragon Cancer? <laughs> no, because I don't want to make light of cancer that yeah, much. Yeah, no, that's true. Also, it's a big spoiler. But uh, Anyway, so, yeah, that's about it. Like That go- that goes easily. You're, and you're, I have a question, yeah, It's though. a good message of caring... Yeah, and being different, being who you are, I guess, even though that's not entirely clear throughout the movie, why you should do that. Like, And then the next interesting choice is after, you know, every other day is saved, um, after the credits, they go back to Michael Sheen, who fell down the pit. (laughs) Yeah, and he gets killed by bats. And they say, like, in case you were wondering, it's like, I wasn't wondering, that guy fell down a pit, I thought he was dead. Yeah. And the only reason to go back is to tell us that he made it out. And no, the bats get him. <laughs> yeah. It's So it's just like, hey, we have all this money spent on CGI bats. Let's just get that in there too. Yeah. Yeah. So Also, before they get to the Eden tree, uh they're on Antonio Banderas' boat and they're looking around at it and it's clearly a boat that's in disrepair and you know, one one of the animals falls through the floorboard and it's like, Oh no, it's crashing and whatnot. They pull off a sheet. Oh, yeah. What happened to the guy in the stocks? So it's, his name's Jeff. He said, hi, I'm Jeff. Jeff's not heard from ever again in this movie. Yeah. What happened to Jeff? Was he someone who was important? That it just, Or was it just like a fun like side gag that... It must be a... Hey, there's a human being living in here. Okay, so it must be a side gag, but here's the problem. Yeah, that's all good. We're near the end of this movie. It's too late to be pulling Family Guy gags on me <laughs> of that nature, the cutaway. <laughs> like, hi, oh, I'm Jeff, random. And then, hashtag, where's Jeff? Hashtag, bring back Jeff. Because I don't understand why you needed. If you were going to cut anything, maybe that. 
like you who don't plays Jeff? It. Maybe he's the director's cousin. I'd have to look into that. Since I stayed in. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I mean, I thought that was funny, but yeah, it's, it's it, a Family Guy cutaway for sure. Yeah, it, it's like, it's not like egregious or anything, but it is like one of those things. I'm just like, what the fuck happened to Jeff? And it's not like I give a shit, but um, but yeah, no, and um, yeah, movie just kind of ends. Like, yeah. it's a interesting look at the studio testing and then reshooting process because we've seen movies that have been reshot or have had reshoots like extensive reshoots that at least to my knowledge don't look as egregious as this in terms of what's going on on the technical end but it's fine for kids Um, honestly i never felt like i was watching something that was reshot i just felt like it was written Mm. like and thrown together really fast i mean i mean ADR is very clear in this movie. Um, yeah, that's true. There are a lot of places where it feels like someone. There was actually even one point where like Robert Downey Jr. was talking. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they dubbed a different person's voice over it. Yeah, like, and there are moments where his voice is unintelligible to an alarming degree. Yeah, like if he's not facing the camera and you can't see his mouth, they just add someone else's own, like someone else's voice to it. Yeah, it's weird. And in terms of editing, it just feels like they like condensed the film way too much like it feels like there's a much longer movie like i'm there's probably based on his performance there's probably a slower version of the movie and the studio probably came and said like hey kids are watching us speed this up so that's why it jumps everywhere so fast yeah like a a journey that's supposed to find this magical island feels very much like they did it in a day (laughs) yeah no it's well the the scene is that they shoot like they're 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 on a boat and the boat's like going into rocky waters Saying, like, we're in for a, you know, it's going to be hard to get to Madrigal or whatever it is. And then it cuts to bright day and they've already infiltrated the city. And it's all explained away via narration. And then they just cut around their plight getting inside. It's interesting. Anyway. Anyway. Does a giant snail show up at any point? I don't remember. Nah. Biggest thing is a whale. Which rhymes with snail. Oh, yeah. Also, how dare they make a whale, you know, pull their boat? <laughs> Whales got shit to do being I mean, a whale. Not doing anything else the other animals weren't do- willing to do. I guess so. I guess he was a friend of Doolittle's. I mean, just going off the marketing, I I remember the initial trailer, you know, how it would play like, oh, what a wonderful world and whatever, you know, and it was, you know, leaning into that aspect of like the wonder of like being able to talk to animals and how like cool that would be. And then like all the TV spots I saw were like the tiger getting kicked in the balls or like the dog rubbing its butt on the carpet at the palace or something. And it's like, you know, Miyazaki movies exist, right? There's like a whole Disney Plus you could watch with like, you know, the Disney Renaissance movies that don't have these kind of stupid jokes in them that aren't going to reduce your kid's brain cell count. So here's the here's something interesting that I thought about with that though. That Godfather joke that happens where Jason Manzucas, which by the way Jason Manzucas is the funniest part of this whole damn movie for me at least. Um uh that Godfather joke there that doesn't work for me that much unless Manzucas is there. But Zootopia does a Godfather joke that I think works perfectly fine. So it is ultimately about how you're utilizing characters and how you're approaching your story. Like that's, what's going to make the joke land. It's not 
funny just to stick it right in necessarily unless you're like family guy where that is inherent to the structure of that storytelling so but you know i don't know i'd argue the one in zootopia is a little meh but oh i love zootopia i mean i love zootopia too but i think that 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 kind of like referential sort of thing is it's not necessary but it's i got a giggle i got a giggle out of it that i wasn't expecting in this version with doolittle the only reason i got a giggle out of it is because jason manzoukas was hilarious um but yeah doolittle uh i just remember when he flies away he's like yep everything went completely wrong bye (laughs) yeah bye (laughs) uh so next week we're seeing the gentleman we could. I'm. I. I would else? be tempted to see it. I mean, I'm not prone like, to liking those movies, but I mean, I mean, I like a good guy. Richie is there movie. something else we should be seeing? It's like a lot of hot British dudes. So mm, Matthew McConaughey. Although the story sounds like not really up my alley, but I mean, everybody else is in it is British, though. Harry Golding's in it. Oh, I'm down. I'm down. But yeah, what was I thinking? There was a part where Jason Manzoukas was like, "Could like could James do this? Could James do that?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes up to comparing all the way- himself to a scorpion. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, because it's like, what's a scorpion got that I don't have? <laughs> I'm glad he ran with that. Also, Ray finds is a tiger that has mental problem or has you know like family self esteem issues, whatever it is. And you've never, I've never heard the Ray finds say the phrase. Tell me I'm good enough, mommy. <laughs> like, but that happens in Doolittle. So, um, yeah, the gentleman, I guess, or I don't Let's know. See, what else is even coming out? Uh, bad boys. That's for, what I was asking you guys. Yeah, Bad Boys for Life came out with Doolittle. I guess we could do that if uh, Ryan's not going to do that. Bad Boys for Life. He's not here right now. <laughs> He might be here next week. That is I true. I don't want to make him angry. <laughs> That's true. I have to ask. He's abdic- a police officer. He has a gun. <laughs> he will hurt us. What is Color Out Let of Space? Oh, I would want to see that. Actually. Color Out of Space? Yeah. Yeah, it's playing at the sea, right? I have this multiple places. Oh, okay. Um, um, I mean, I'd be down with that if... Again, I don't think Ryan will see it. <laughs> he saw or Mandy. The Turning. Man, Ryan you would might, probably want to see the turning. Ryan, Ryan might see the turning. I'm interested in the turning. There's a lot of options. Just, just go watch t- Turning of the Screw. Save yourself some time. What? That's the movie. The Turning of the Screw is a book. There's a movie adaptation called of it. Called the Turning. Yeah. No, called the no, Turning of the Screw. That and there's actually like a BBC miniseries that Masterpiece did. This is uh, that movie. Oh, 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 oh. No, it's not the turning movie that's coming out. I'm sorry, I got confused. No, I it's the yeah. BBC one, yeah. What? No. The, the turning, turning is based on the turning of the screw. That's what I just said, but you told me no, it's based on a BBC thing. No. I'm really confused. I don't know. What anyway, happening. it's fine. We're going to wait till Friday Ryan posts a picture <laughs> of it on Facebook. All right. <laughs> but those are options. All right. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. 
Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.